0: Hey everybody, it's Chris. Welcome or welcome back to the Beyond Church podcast. Hey, at the end of this conversation, would you head to our socials at Beyond Church AU, either on Instagram or Facebook and give us a follow. That's the easiest way to share this content with a friend who might find it helpful. And while you're at it, you can click the link in our description to sign up to our email newsletter. That's the easiest way to stay up to date on everything that's going on around here at Beyond. But in the meantime, I hope. this following conversation inspires you to take your next step on your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, here's, um, here's something we've all said, I think, in location, in, in relation to a physical or a geographical location. We've all said at one point to someone, "Hey, I would have never gotten here without you." You know, like when um, when someone gives you directions and they're like, "Hey, you look. I know we're meeting at this restaurant. I know we're supposed to meet here, but..." Google or Apple Maps is going to take you and it's going to lead you here and it's going to tell you to turn, turn left, don't turn left there, there's no parking there, okay, you've got to go up, take the next left, go around the back corner, you're going to go past this red bin, it's going to be weird, it's not going to look like there's a driveway, go down the driveway and then it's going to open up and there's going to be this so much parking there. But if you, don't, if you go the other way, that Apple tells you it's not going to get you there. Or maybe, um, you know, you've been meeting someone for work or something and they're like, hey, don't, like, I'm just going to meet you in the car park, it's going to be way easier for you to find my, um, where the business is and then they start leading you through like the the alleyways of like the building and then they lead you up the back stairs and then somehow you end up outside, then you end up back inside. And the whole time you get there, right, and you rock up at this place, you meet your friend and you just go to them, hey, I would have never gotten here without you. Like if I followed Google, if I followed the directions, I would have got lost, I would have got so um, lost. And all of us, right, at some point in our lives, I think, just get to a point with someone where it's if you have enough trust, if you have enough confidence in someone that they can say, hey, just follow me, and you're like, yeah. I'm alright with that, yeah, you, you, I trust you enough, just give me the directions, I'll follow you and we'll end up um, where we are supposed to be. So we're gonna come back to this idea in, um, in just a moment, but the reason that we're talking about this is because we're in the middle of a series, as you saw by the most dramatic um, trailer ever, um, called The Beginner's Guide to Predicting Your Future. And for the last couple of weeks, we've been looking uh, um, at, at a principle or an idea that's sort of like the undertone for this entire series And the principle is called, we've called it the principle of the path, which is just simply this, that direction, not intention, determines your destination. Um, And in part one, we looked at this idea that, hey, the direction you face in life, um, whether it's relationally or professionally, or whether it's in your marriage, or whether it comes to to your kids, or whether it's financially or spiritually, whatever direction you face in life is the destination that you will end up in. And last week, we sort of looked at at this word here, um, this word, intention, right? Because there's, there's often a tension and there is often a disconnect between where we intend to rock up in life or where we intend to arrive in life and where we actually arrive in life. And last week we, we spoke about this word intention a lot and what we discovered was intentions are not good predictors, right? If you want to intend to rock up an, an in inde- a destination and you talk to people, intentions are not great predictors of whether you will actually arrive at that place or not. Um, this is something I've been learning um, over the last eight years of uh, my marriage. Um, I was someone, okay, I'm a hype man, right? I will hype you up about anything, even if you're not good at it. If you want to feel better about yourself, come to me. I will hype you up, okay? I'm also phenomenal at hyping myself up, especially when it's just me and my wife. And all the time early in our relationship and early in our marriage, I would come home. and would be like, babe... <laughs> I just bought $200 worth of supplements from the SUP store and I am going to get shredded, like unbelievably shredded, like you thought Arnie was big, Arnie's going to have nothing on me, babe, and I would just be like so excited and Emma would just continue just chopping the carrot or reading her book or whatever she was doing, I was like, babe, you don't understand, like you are just going to have a weapon of a husband, like I am not going to fit into the shirts I own anymore, we're going to have to go shopping again, it's going to be hectic, okay? and m would just not even look at me right she would just continue whatever it is she was doing and she would just say i'll believe it when i see it i'll believe it and that is like that is my wife that is my wife's vibe okay right if you ever just know that if you ever say that you're going to achieve this big goal to my wife in the back of her mind she's thinking i'll believe it when i see it right and that kind of sounds harsh to someone who's got good intentions but really it's just the reality of life right you can have all these good intentions like i have but if you, as, as you can tell, I'm not Arnie at the moment, right? Okay. Um, and so, intentions are not good predictors. You can have all the best intentions in the world, but if what you do doesn't back up to where those intentions are, if the intentions you have don't line up with the direction that you're facing in life, then you'll never get to the direction that you want to go. And so, last week, we looked at this word. This week, I just want to look at, uh, I want to look at another word. And the word I want to focus on this week is this word, direction. And in fact, I want to kind of um, I wanna kinda ask something really bold, um, and, and it's, I think it's probably so bold that, if I, that I'm, I'm going to ask it, and then you're going to say, I don't want to do that, and then I'm going to spend the rest of our time together, at least giving you a reason why I think you should consider doing it, even though you probably um, won't want to do it. And so, th- the thing that I want to ask you to do is, I want to ask you, if you're not already, would you follow Jesus? If you're not already a Jesus follower, would you follow Jesus? If you've um, spent some time and you're like, ah, oh, um, maybe you used to follow Jesus, but now you don't follow Jesus anymore, I'd like to invite you back. Um, if you're on the fence with following Jesus, or maybe you, you, know, you, you would say, hey, you look, yeah, I am a Jesus follower, but honestly, there's a few areas of my life I just cannot, I cannot budge on the whole Jesus thing, and you know them, like no one has to bring them up to you, you know them, I want to invite you to surrender your whole life to Jesus and to follow Jesus with your whole life. Now, I, um, like I said, I know that is, a, uh, that is a really, really big ask, okay, it's a massive ask, and some of you are going, eh, I don't know, I don't know, if I'm, I don't know if I'm into that, I don't know if I buy that, um, and here's why, here's why I want to invite you to follow Jesus, because in the first century, Jesus walked up to people, and He didn't say to them, hey, believe me, He didn't say to them, hey, go to church like me, Jesus simply um, issued them an invitation, He said, hey, follow me. And then tw- uh, in the 21st century as well, that invitation is there for Jesus, um, to follow Jesus as well. And so many people that I know, and so many people that maybe, maybe if you're a Jesus follower, you know, have said this about Jesus, that I would have never gotten here without you. There are so many people, when I, when I talk to them, that when they began following Jesus, they just go, you know what, I just, I wouldn't have got to this place in my marriage, I wouldn't have got to this place in my relationships, I wouldn't just have got to this place in life if I hadn't begun to follow Jesus, and he is, that's why I think you should begin to consider following Jesus, in fact there's, um, there's one uh, young lady, she comes to our 6 p.m. service, I'm not going to tell you her name, but um, early last year, okay, so back in 2022, um, she started following us on TikTok, and she started liking a whole bunch of things on TikTok, now it's not that big of a deal, okay, there's lots of people who like the stuff that we, uh, the content that we produce on TikTok, um, and I knew nothing about this person other than their username, right? There's a username that likes a thing, cool. Just so happens that this girl um, had been going to a Christian school and she'd been going to a Christian school for five years. And through what had been happening at the school, she'd sort of been on this journey of kind of like figuring out or hearing a little bit about Jesus. And then not connected to Beyond in any way, shape or form, she stumbles across us on TikTok. The algorithm spat out, hey, here's something that you might like. And then she started following Beyond so much that she thought to herself, you know what, my school offers this alpha thing that like answers questions about Jesus. I should maybe just jump on board and I should do it. And then while she's at this alpha group at her school, she starts telling the person who's leading the group, Hey, yeah, I've actually been following this um this TikTok page by this church. They're called Beyond. And the person at the time goes, Oh, I go to that church. She's like, We have this, um, we have this small group called Starting Point that just for three weeks we just answer any questions that you have about faith, and this girl's like, well, I should, I, I should go to that, like, let's, can you take me to that, and so for three weeks at the end of last year, this person um, ended up kind of coming along the starting point, and then for the last, since night of worship, um, they've been coming in person to, the, to our 6 p.m., because up until that point, they didn't have their peas. And, uh, and their parents wouldn't allow them to, like, wouldn't drive them to church, and so they were like, finally, I've got my peas, it's the new year, I'm gonna start, um, I'm gonna start going to church, I've, I've just decided that I'm, I'm starting to follow Jesus, and so I was talking to her um, over the last couple of weeks, and she was just sharing a little bit about her journey, but one of the themes that she just came out so, so clearly from her story was when I was just asking her, like, so why did you, what, what got you curious, what made you start following Jesus? What made you begin to trust Jesus? And she just said so clearly, because honestly, I wouldn't have gotten to this point. If it wasn't for Jesus, if it wasn't for the things that Jesus taught, I would not be where I am. And she said, it's not that life is easier, but life is better than if I was going to be doing these things um, on my own. And so, I want to um, share with you just a little bit of a story, um, or a little bit of an, an encounter that Jesus and, um, and perhaps probably his most famous follower, um, his best mate John, records. And it's all around this idea um, of, of people who were unsure, not sure about trusting and following um, Jesus, right? And, uh, and just to sort of um, set the scene a little bit of what John's talking about in this biography, John is one of the four biography writers that we have who wrote uh, The Life of Jesus. Jesus has just started um, and just done his equivalent of a 5K, okay? He's fed 5,000 people. That's a really bad dad joke, okay? I'm just working on those. I've got a few months to perfect them and I've still got time. So Jesus has just fed 5,000 people. The crowd has gone wild. He didn't have enough food to feed them, but he fed them. And then he kind of goes for a cool down, but he goes like a cool down, like Jesus style. And he like walks across a section of the Sea of Galilee. He's just like taking a breath. No one can talk to him. And then he gets to the other side of the Sea of Galilee and he is exhausted. He is just, he is, he's tired. And, um, and this crowd just keeps follow him. This crowd sort of sees where he's headed, they're like, right, we're going to go around and we're going to um, we're gonna get to Jesus. And John sort of records this interaction and records this story. Now, here's what you need to know, last thing that you need to know about John before we jump into the story. If you're spiritual or if you're religious or you believe there's something more to this um, world and there's some power and you believe that that power is loving in some way or that power has love associated with it, here's what you need to know. John is the person who introduced to the world the idea that God is love. Until John, there was no concept of God being associated with love. And John didn't, like, just come up with this idea. John wasn't, like, writing one day and he's like, you know what, I'm just, God is love, God is loving, right? Because John's life was not lovely, right? John didn't think about this because he's like, I've just got such a good life, everything's falling in my favor, God must be great. No, in fact, most of John's best friends and his closest friends were executed, for their faith in Jesus. John, for the last years of his life, got exiled to this tiny little island called Patmos, right, where he just lived alone for his remaining years. He had no friends, no family to to interact with. Life was not lovely for John, in fact, it was far from lovely. The reason that John said and wrote the words, God is love, is because John spent time with love, and God watched love, uh, John watched uh, love die on a cross, and then three days later, he had breakfast with love On a beach. And John believed that Jesus was God in human form. And because he believed that Jesus was God in human form, he said, because of the time I spent with Jesus, because of the way I saw Jesus interact with the world, the only conclusion that I can draw is that God really is love. So this is what John wrote, with all that context set, this is what John wrote about these people when they get to the other side. When this crowd found him on the other side of that lake, they asked him a question. So, they sort of like, there was this big crowd, a couple of thousand people, they push one person forward, they're like, this is our spokesperson, Jesus, He's got something to ask you on our behalf. Rabbi, when did you get here? Because they can't just jump right in, you know, they can't jump right in and start asking Him questions. It's kind of like, if you've ever heard Christians pray, or you're a Christian and you pray, you're like, dear God, thank you for this day, thank you for the nice weather, thank you for family, because you know, you can't just jump straight in and just ask God for stuff, right? You've got to set the tone, you've got to be a little bit nice about this whole thing. They said, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus, he's sort of over it at this point, he's tired, he's exhausted, he's like, guys, let's just get to the point, right? You were looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. So what Jesus is talking about here is this idea that, um, he goes, look guys, um, the signs of the miracles, and, and I get that, like, wherever you might sit on miracles, um, I, I totally understand that, but here's what Jesus' take on, on the miracles He did was. Jesus would say, hey, I don't do the miracles to show off, right? I'm not, I'm not doing the miracles to show off. It's not like Jesus got the crowds together, and He's like, whose name starts with R today? Raise your hand. You're getting a miracle today. What do you want? He, Jesus didn't operate that way. Every single miracle that Jesus would do, He used as a sign to point to something beyond Himself, to point to something bigger. It's sort of like, you know, when you're... When you, um, going somewhere and you're looking for the sign that points you in the direction. You don't get to the sign that says 10Ks or 15Ks and go, we're here, I've got it. When you get to the sign, you're like, that's the direction I've got to go. And Jesus goes, hey, the only reason I'm doing these signs is to point you to something bigger, to point you to something beyond me. But the only reason you're here is because of the sign. The only reason you're here is because you are full. And so then the crowd asked Him, He said, hey, what what must we do to do the works that God requires of us? which is kind of their really nice way of kind of being like, that party trick you did with the bread, how do we do that? Because we're going to get hungry a little bit later, and then it'd be really great. It'd be really great if we could just snap our fingers, and then the bread would just appear. We wouldn't have to bother you again, Jesus. Then we could just do it um, on our own. And here's what Jesus said. He goes, the work of God is this, to believe in the one He has sent. In other words, Jesus is saying, it's, it's, it's so simple, so simple. All you've got to do is trust in me. All you've got to do is put your faith in me. The problem is, um, this wasn't the response they were after. They were like, ah, trust you, Jesus. I don't know. How about, how about this one, Jesus? What sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? He's like, okay, you got to trust me. They're like, okay, we'll do something to make us trust you. Now, just think about this. I don't know about you, but if I had just seen Jesus feed 5,000 people... For me, that'd be enough of a sign, right? But these people are like, ah, Jesus, okay, we kind of get it, um, but could you do something more? And then they kind of come up with this, they, they remember something that happened in their history because these first century Jews, they're, this, they're Jewish people, and they go, oh, Jesus, remember in our history, um, 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 there was this guy called Moses and our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now, if you don't know the story, if you don't know Moses, that's okay. Really, what happened was there was a time in the nation of Israel's history that they were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, and God provided them um, bread or manna to eat while they were wandering. And so effectively, these people who know this history go, Jesus, you know what would be a really great sign? Is if you gave us bread. And Jesus like, I, I literally just did that. I just, we've, this was like a couple of hours ago. I walked across the sea. We've cooled down. You've just come here. They're like, Could you just give us bread like Moses? And Jesus says this to them. He says, very truly, I tell you, It's not Moses who's given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father. And he's trying to get them to understand. He's like, guys, that Moses, he was a good leader, but Moses wasn't God. Moses was a good leader, but Moses didn't like get up in the night and like make all the manna and then just put it out for the people. That wasn't what Moses was doing. He said, no, the sign of the manna was supposed to point people to God. And then Jesus goes on, he says this, he says, for the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And at this point, at this point, Jesus is sort of speaking in two levels, because He's kind of trying to get them to hint. He's like, guys, I'm not talking about physical bread anymore, okay? I'm I'm talking about something more than physical bread. I'm talking about more than something that's just going to sustain you for a minute, and then you're going to get hungry again. I'm pointing to something beyond that. But here's the problem. The crowd didn't want that. And so they they nominated someone else. They shoved them forward. They're like, your turn. You have a crack. So this guy says, sir, always give us this bread. In other words, can you give us the recipe so we can follow it exactly and always get the bread that, that, um, that you're talking about? And then Jesus says this. He says, I am the bread of life. He says to them, he goes, hey, whatever you're looking for, it's found in me. If you stop before me, you're going to miss it. If you go past me, you're going to miss it as well. I am the bread of life. And then Jesus, to kind of ram this point home as Jesus does, He's, he's like so frustrated, I imagine, that He starts teaching on this idea. He starts teaching this idea that, hey, in me, there's going to be found more, um, you know, there's going to be found something that's going to fulfill you. It's not going to leave you hungry like physical bread does. I'm talking about something beyond this life. And I don't want to be too critical of Jesus at this point, right? Because I understand that in the moment, like I'm giving you a message and some of you are critiquing me like, this is not his best work. This is ah. a little bit, you know, maybe you're thinking about this. he didn't tell enough jokes and the lead and it wasn't a funny story. Okay. And I know, trust me, I know um, that you're thinking these things, but this really wasn't one of Jesus's best messages. Okay. Like it just, ugh, it wasn't. Um, and as Jesus starts giving this message, the people in the crowd start mumbling and start complaining and people start like turning and looking at each other. It's like, is this guy, is this what he's really talking about? And I just imagine at that moment that like the, you know, Jesus' closest disciples is like what we call the 12 apostles. I just kind of imagine in their head, they're like, we got to do something about this, right? And I imagine what, what a couple of them would have loved to have done is kind of just been like, Jesus, um, <clears throat> time out. Like, Jesus, you come with us, Matt. Can you just tell some jokes or something? Just do an interlude. And I, I, I imagine they would have loved to have pulled Jesus over the side and be like, Jesus, here's the thing, man. People are not buying it, okay? We need to hype it up a little bit, tell some more jokes a little bit more motivational, a little bit less drowny. You're kind of bringing the whole mood down. Okay, you've just done this miracle. Let's, let's raise the spirits. Okay, Jesus, go. But they didn't. Unfortunately, they just like let it, they let it play out. And here's, here's, um, here's what, they, what happened, or what John tells us happened as they let it play out. All the people are there go, on hearing this, many of the disciples, and just to kind of um, help give clarity, In John's biography, when John talks about disciples, he talks about the huge crowds that are following him. When he's referring to the apostles, he's talking about the 12 that are often like Jesus's um, dirty dozen, like the unqualified crew that Jesus said, hey, we're going to change the world. And so the crowd said, this is a hard teaching, who can accept it? And aware that this crowd were grumbling, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Now, does this make it hard for you to follow me? Does it trip you up? Does Does it cause you... To stumble. And some of you have never heard about what happens next. In fact, some of you just wouldn't, you'd be like, is that, are you sure John really recorded this? This is what John said happened after Jesus asked this question. From this time, many of His disciples, many of the crowds, turned back and no longer followed Him. And maybe the reason that, that they all walked away is maybe, maybe similar to maybe the reason that you walked away, or maybe the reason that you don't ever want to begin to follow in the first place, because maybe you walked up to Jesus like this crowd did, and you said, hey Jesus, I, w- I want you to give me what I want, when I want it, and then Jesus didn't, and maybe you had a career opportunity, and you were like praying, you're like, God, I want you to give this to me, if you give it to me, then, you know, I'm going to give extra money to you, I'm going to be more generous, I'm going to have more time, and you prayed, and you prayed, and you prayed, and then you didn't get the opportunity. So you said, oh, what's the point? Maybe, maybe someone in your family had a diagnosis and you, and you prayed and you prayed and you prayed and, and they passed away. And so you just said, well, I, I guess I'm done with the whole God thing because it's not, I prayed for it and it didn't work. Maybe for some of you, there's a relationship that you, you desperately wanted to be repaired. You desperately want it to be restored. And you just said, God, there's only one way that it, this is going to be fixed. And that's if you do something. And so you prayed, and you prayed, and you prayed, and it didn't get fixed. And it's still not fixed. And you still live with the result and the fallout of that relationship to this, to this day. And really, what Jesus is saying right here is He's experiencing, I guess maybe what you've experienced. He's, he's saying to this crowd, He's like, hey, I can actually give you what you want, just not in the way that you want it. And Jesus stood up in front of this crowd, and this whole crowd said, Jesus, we want exactly this, and we want it exactly this way. And when Jesus said, ah, it's not going to really work like that, they turned their backs, and they uh, oh, and they walked away. And so Jesus knows this feeling. Jesus knows what it's like to kind of be on this precipice, and to have people mad at Him, to have people frustrated at Him, to have people like, ah, oh, I don't really understand. And what Jesus, I think, would say to you is, is what, I, what He was trying to say to the crowd who couldn't quite get it in that moment. Jesus would say, hey, when you, if you take up my offer and you begin to follow me, it will be less filling in the moment, but you will lead a more fulfilling life. It's going to be less filling in the temporary, but it's going to be more fulfilling in the purpose department. It's going to be more fulfilling in the eternal department. In fact, Jesus would say, if you begin to follow me, that your life will now be lived in light of eternity. And the things that you start to focus on, the things that you care about, won't be things that just for a moment, won't be things that just make you happy just for a minute. And because of all this, um, as as all this is happening, right, as all these crowds are turning away, Jesus' disciples or His 12, like, apostles, they're starting to freak out a little bit, right? Because just remember, just a few hours before, they were rock stars, okay? There was huge, all these crowds following Jesus. And crowds in the first century for Jesus were really, really important because crowds meant protection, right? In the first century, there were all these religious leaders that had this vendetta against Jesus and they were trying to get rid of Him. And in the first century, there was no like tricked out black escalades that like could just rock up after Jesus was done preaching and everyone could like rush Him into the escalade and He could, he could just like go off to wherever He was um, hanging out, right? Jesus, the equivalent of a first century escalade was a donkey. He didn't get anywhere fast on a donkey. And so the the disciples, they needed these crowds around them, in their mind, to protect them. Because if there was no crowds, they could get to them. In fact, even after all these people walked away, Jesus still had so many crowds around Him, that when people, um, when when it was time to finally have Him arrested, they had to come in the dead of night and, and get Him. Because there's still so many people. But all the disciples, they're watching all these crowds leave. They're watching all these people turn their back on Jesus. And Jesus turns to his 12 and he says this, you don't want to leave too, do you? And it's like, "Ah, you got us. <laughs> we we kind of would like to actually, Jesus, but everyone just like is looking at the ground, you know, they're doing this thing and they're just, ah, and in their mind, like, I hope he doesn't ask me a follow-up question. Please don't look at me, Jesus, please don't ask me. And then Simon, Simon Peter, in a moment, it's like something, something hits him and he begins to see what the crowd couldn't see. He began to see what none of the other disciples could see as well. And, and, and through the fear that he had, through the sense of loss of control that he had, Simon Peter says this, Lord, to whom shall we go? He's pretty much saying, he's like, I'd, honestly, I'd like to go. I would, but, but I don't know where else I would go. Because here's the thing, Jesus, yeah, following you is hard, and yeah, everyone's walked away, and sure, we were rock stars, now, now we're nobodies, but Jesus, I'm not sure if, if not following you would guarantee me what I want in the first place. I'm not so sure that not following you would actually guarantee me the things I want, because I think what Simon would, or what Simon Peter would say is, you know, there have been so many times in my life, Jesus, where I thought I knew where there was in my life. There have been so many times where I've pursued, and I've got to this place where I thought I wanted to be, and then I got there, and I realized I didn't want to be there. And so he's like, I'm not so sure that if I'm just left to my own devices or if I go and follow someone or something else, that I won't, uh, uh, I won't actually get to that place where I think I want to be. And it turns out I never wanted to be there anyway. And he says, besides, you have the words of eternal life. You're the only person I've seen, Jesus, who can get us to where we want to be. Because you're the only person who knows where we truly, deeply want to be. Because Simon would say this so many times, like I said, I get to places and I don't want to be there. And Jesus, I've just seen, spending time with you, that you have the words of eternal life and we have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus, when, when you entered the world, you kind of like reframed and you gave us a new picture of what God is like you gave us a new picture of what God, uh, of what love is like you gave us a new picture of what forgiveness is like and what you did is you took our little tiny lives our little fisherman lives our little tax collector lives and you reframed them in the context of eternity so to whom shall we go like we we don't have anywhere else to go and every time i every time i read that story i am um, I'm reminded, of, um, I'm reminded of something that actually happened on, um, on mine and Em's honeymoon, and I, I don't think actually I've ever shared this story publicly um, before, but um, when Em and I were on our honeymoon, we spent some time in Hawaii first, and then we went over to Nebraska, of all places, in the middle of winter, because one of my mates was getting married and so um, from America, and so I wanted, to, I wanted to go over there, and it was kind of like honeymoon 2.0, and there was a number of things that were happening before our wedding um, around jobs and around future and around opportunities. And what ended up happening through a whole bunch of messy events was I effectively got an email while I was on my honeymoon in Nebraska that pretty much um, said, well, you need to resign from your job or take the new offer that you've got. But the problem was with the new offer that I had, it was sort of like, ah, uh, we don't really know if, um, if we're going to be able to pay you. We don't really know if it's going to be like a worthwhile offer. And so um, if you wanted it, you'd sort of have to work for free if you'd like to for a month. And then if... You know, we accept it and it goes through and it goes through all the appropriate channels, then we'll back pay you for that. But if it doesn't get approved, then you've just worked a month for free. And so we here we are in this little basement in Nebraska and Emma and I are, are praying about it. We're like, what do we what do we do? Uh what do, I was like and in my mind I'm like, Oh, we just got married. Oh my goodness, like what what are we gonna do? And um and we just we're praying about it and I just said I was like, I don't I don't really know, but I just I just feel like I just feel like we gotta go with this with this, you know, we, I feel like we've just got to like say no to the uh resign from this one and step into this new even though there's no certainty, even though we're not sure about what it'll look like. And then was like, yeah, I, I get that sense too. I was like, it doesn't make sense. We shouldn't do this. She's like, no, it doesn't make sense. And long story short, we did that and not directly impacted, but out of the results of that is is this community. Out of the result of, of a number of, of all of those things is Is this community and every single time we have a baptism and we get to hear about someone's baptism story every single time i hear a story like the person that i shared you earlier and they looked at our social media stuff and then they engaged um and started to engage on uh, online and then in person every single time we have a massive event like jingle jam and there's just hundreds of people from the community hanging out in this place just having a great time, getting a great experience with the local church, there's just part of me that just goes, there's a big part of me actually that just goes, God, this is so much wilder and so much bigger and so much more impactful than I would have ever dreamed of because I just thought I was taking a job. I just thought I was taking this, like making making a reckless decision and God goes, I got something so much bigger in store. And I think that God says that for everyone as well. So let me ask you a question. To whom shall you go? Who are you going to turn and follow? And I get it, right? I get it if you're like, well, certainly not Jesus, right? If you ask me to do crazy things like that, I get it, right? But let me ask you this, if not Jesus, who? If it's not going to be Jesus that you follow, who are you going to follow? Because all of us follow someone or something. And most of the time for us, if we're really, really honest, the times we choose to follow ourselves, we know we end up in places that we don't want to be. How do you know that? Because you were with you for all of your biggest regrets. You were with you for all of your dumbest decisions. In fact, most of the time, you talked you into into your biggest regrets and um, and into your dumbest decisions. So if if it's not Jesus, then who is it? Because the truth is, the only guarantee you have when you begin to follow Jesus is that you follow Jesus. (laughs) It's the only guarantee you have when you follow Jesus. And the truth is that following Jesus um, isn't like a guarantee that you'll have an easy life. In fact, John kind of highlights that but it is a guarantee that life will be bigger than what you've dreamed. And I mean, aren't you sort of glad that in John's biography, he, he includes details like this? He includes the story like this? Because it would be so much more advantageous for John to be like, well, no, I wasn't afraid. No, no, all the crowds left, but I was, uh, Peter and us, we were, we were all in there. We were all in it together. Aren't you sort of glad that John includes those details? And he goes, you know what? We were, we were afraid. And we were unsure, and we were, honestly, we were petrified, because we just had a complete loss of control, but we did it anyway. And we believed that Jesus had the words of eternal life. And in case just you're not sure what eternal life is, eternal life is not like life after death. That's not what, that's not what John was saying. That's not what Jesus was saying. What Jesus was talking about is that eternal life is life lived now in the context of eternity. That right now, all the relationships you have are lived in the context of eternity. That right now, the way you treat people is in the context of eternity. The money you have, the possessions you have, the way you use them is done in the context of eternity because of the way that you trust in Jesus. So, the truth is, following Jesus is not easy. But that's okay because life is not easy. Life is not easy even if you choose not to uh, follow Jesus. The truth is that following Jesus is better. And the reason that following Jesus is better is because Jesus knows the way He's going. (laughs) And Jesus knows the things that you and I want that will bring satisfaction to our lives even before we do. So if you haven't already, I'd love to invite you to begin to follow Jesus. If there's an area of your life right now that you just hold on to and you're like, I got this one, Jesus, it's all right. I'd love to invite you to just release the grip of that and just begin to follow Jesus, you know, give that area of of your life to Jesus, and begin to follow Jesus. Not because it's easier, it'll often be harder at the start, but because it is better. And if you're still not sure, hey, I get it, I get it. Here's what you need to know, is you are welcome to belong here and be a part of our community, even if you never buy the Jesus thing, right? Okay, this isn't like my pitch, and then it's like, all right, well, if you don't buy it today, you're out. That's not, no, you are so welcome to be a part of this community if you never, ever, ever believe in Jesus. I just think following Jesus will make your life better. But here's what I'd love you to do. If you're kind of like on the fence or you're not sure about it, I'd love you while I pray. And actually after we're done, uh, this screen will stay up. You can scan the QR code and you can um, jump into starting point, which is a three week conversation that we have, um, similar to the one that this person I shared with you earlier went on, where the only rule is there's no question that is off the table, okay? You can ask all the questions you have about Jesus. You can figure it all out. We have a little bit of guided stuff, but mostly you guide that journey where you want it to go. And if you are part of our community but you're not in a group yet and you're kind of starting the year off and you're like, you know what, I, I've been coming for a while, I've been connected for a while but what I really want is some more people in my corner Then, if you scan that QR code, you can um, find out more information and we can help you find hopefully a group that fits you and a group that is right for you. But right now, I would love to, uh, I'd love to pray for us, hey? Jesus, following you is not easy but it most certainly is better. And we know that in the, um, in the fear and maybe in the, in the fear of loss, in the fear of letting go, there can be so many things that, that cause us to hold back. There can be so many things to be like, no, nah, but we want to do it our way. Could you just tell me how to do it and then I'll sort of figure it out on my own. But the truth is, you're not asking us to follow you because you want to take something away from us. You're, you ask us to follow you because you have a, a better future plan for us. You have a better life plan for us than we could ever imagine. And so, Lord, I pray that today, that something w- within us would begin to shift and that we would begin to orientate our lives in your direction, and that we would begin to live in the direction of you. And with your help, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we would not necessarily have an easier life, but we would have a better life. And more than that, but the people around us would have a better life, because we have chosen to follow you. Well, once again, thanks so much for listening. And hey, if you live in the Griffin, Marumba Downs, North Lakes, or Moreton Bay region, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend environments. You can find out more by heading to our website, beyondchurch.com.au. You'll find directions, service times, and what you can expect as well as information on our Upstreet Kids Club, which is our primary school-aged environment, and Infinity Youth, our high school-aged environment. That website, beyondchurch.com.au.